This is a Life School Podcast, episode number 129. And today, we're going to talk about happiness. Everybody wants it, but is it real? And if so, how do we get it? No, I'm not a writer. Okay. Welcome to the Life School Podcast, where each week you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith in every area of your life. This is the stuff that your parents, teachers, and pastors forgot to tell you about. I'm Heath Hollinsby. I'm here with your host, Cesar Kalinowski. Good morning. Is it afternoon? Is it morning? Where are you listening? I don't know. <laughs> We're all over the place. I am all over the place. It's, it's af- newly afternoon here in Tacoma, <laughs> or Kikover. Yeah, it's afternoon. Um, I can't even still believe the amazing weather that we continue to get here in the PN dub. It's beautiful. Pacific Northwest, right? Yeah. Amazing. And uh, yeah, I don't deserve it, but it's, I am enjoying the heck out of it. Yeah, if you're not from here, you do recognize... You need to know that that we live here for the summers. Like we put up with the rest of the year for the summers, and so when it delivers, it's incredible. So we'll ride this wave as long as it'll. Yeah, let and, us. And it's it's a fallacy. I don't want too many people in on the trick, but it's a fallacy that it just rains all the time here. We I don't think we've had rain in what sixty eight days or something. Like that. <laughs> we just don't want people here. And my grass is hollering about. That. <laughs> so, hey, I'm pretty excited about to uh, today's show. But before we get into that, Heath. Um, I just want to thank, say thanks again to our listeners who've gone on over to iTunes mm-hmm. and they've subscribed to the show. That way they're getting it. I can see yeah. like every Monday. every Monday, like the numbers are going up of how many people are just boom right on it. Right. Yep. And they've subscribed and they've rated it, you know, many stars and they've left some really cool reviews too, which is yeah. humbling and fun. Right, man. It's cool to see, man. The, the two that stand out since even we last recorded was uh, Mike DeSicco, I think is his name, maybe. Mike. Okay. He says he loves the podcast. Great resource if you're wanting to learn more about missional communities and discipleship lifestyle. We always leave encouraged and challenged. Nice job, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Mike. Mike. Good hearing from you. And then also, Discipleship That's Doable left a really meaningful comment that was just helpful, saying that at times I struggle with the amount of Christian material that's so condemning that if you don't follow exactly the Bible that people say the way you should, that you won't be with them in heaven, and that pushes him typically away from the opposite direction that God wants from him. But that this show's helping him, like, encourage him with something to build up throughout life, knowing that it's all a process and we're loved completely by God from the beginning to wherever you end up. So, Wow. Good news. That's good news. Yeah. And I'm glad that he's getting that. I'm glad that our listeners are. I know we get a lot of other emails and comments as well. Yeah. And uh, this is such a labor of love for us, I know. Yeah. We have a blast every time we get to be together and record these things and answer the comments. But uh, I'm glad that that's soaking in, that the good news can actually be a part of everyday life, all of life, that hashtag eternity now. Yeah, that's a good hashtag. Hey, and the other thing I just wanted to say thanks for is those people that, I mean, last week's topic was pretty heavy based on where is God and and natural disasters and specifically what's happening in Houston. So those people that went to the Red Cross and texted money to give or jumped on Samaritan's Purse website, just want to say thanks for our listeners. You guys rock. Thanks for helping. Yeah, if you missed last week's episode, 128, um, that was kind of off the cuff, just our hearts sharing our own response to this. And kind of asking that tough question of like, where's God at in the middle of disaster and all that? Right. Absolutely. Anyway, so thanks for your response. Not everybody is always perfectly happy and wants, you know, us <laughs> to go maybe different directions, but we're here just kind of being real and giving it to you. So anyway. Uh-huh. Hey, um, this week is what got pushed back from last week. Yeah. David McDonald, beast of a man. Yeah. He, he describes himself even on his church website. It says 200 pounds of premature wisdom and never ending youth with pale skin and dark tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> that sums up. That is so David, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's David. crazy. How how can you be one of the funniest guys in the world and one of the probably smartest guys I've ever met? Like no, no joke, double, right? Yeah. 
So I'm I'm fortunate because I get to work with him as part of this graduate program I'm going through. He's been my mentor for the last year and will be for this next year. And so every week I get a weekly call and he's kind of coaching me through certain aspects of life. You're, like you said, he is um, so incredibly intelligent. And for many years, he's been called the most innovative pastor in America. And the stuff he's doing every week is just mind-blowing. Yeah, it Taking is. Taking risks and challenges. I, I don't know how he has the, the bandwidth for that alone, on yeah. top of that he writes like two or three books a year. Yeah. And he's a great dad. And yeah. <laughs> and killer books. They're not just like, He's oh. Jesus, Heath. We've <laughs> met him. He's Jesus with tattoos. And he's Canadian. Is he? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Originally? Well, let's get him on here, man. Hey, David, thanks for joining us today. Hey, my pleasure, you guys. Thanks. I am. I am a very happy person. I have always been uh, on the more energetic, boisterous side, um, but but I've been pursuing uh, b- being happier for, for some time now, mostly because I think like a lot of naturally exuberant people, I, I struggle with with depression and, and melancholy. And, that, that, you know, that's a common thing among creatives, especially. Um, and so I wanted to figure out, you know, c- can I level out at a higher optimization? You know, can I, can I be happier all the time instead of being happy, sad, happy, sad? You know, can I can I? Decycle myself. Do you do you think that sometimes you look like you're happy on the outside because that's sort of your default mode, but inside you're actually struggling with stuff? Uh, you know, I'm not like that. I, I I don't ever feel like that. What what's going on inside is disconnected from the outside. I'd rather be an open book and and have people get mad at me or or treat me weird if I if I'm not perfect in the moment, um, than than sort of front or put on a facade. And and that's one of the things I actually really love about the church where I work and the the friends and the family that I have is is that value of authenticity is is really elevated. So so that's cool. That that, that takes a lot of pressure off, you know. That flips around the age-old statement of, you know, happy, I'm going to I'm gonna flip it, happy life, happy wife. That must be amazing for your wife yeah. to live with a guy who's like real, like she knows what's going on. It's not, you're not faking it, you're not wearing a mask of happiness. So happy life, yeah, happy her wife. Her a- is very open about the fact that, that she thinks she's married to the happiest person alive. So that, that's cool. That's very nice. Well, it's kind, of a, it's kind of in the DNA of, of Canadians to be happy, right? Like I've not met, I've never met a pissed off Canadian. Uh, we export all our spite into the geese. <laughs> okay, so dude. <laughs> but you're not as happy as the Danes. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Every year they win. They're the happiest people in the world. Really? And, and, and you know, they've, they've surveyed the heck out of that because year after year, the Danes, they're just happy, right? right? You know, on all these indicators. And I'm sure you've researched the heck out of this. I'm probably eating up some of your stuff here today. But they, you know why they say? They, they've come up with it. Like, and they all agreed. They, got, they have such low expectations of anything working out in life. That they feel pretty good about everything. Yeah, so something actually goes right, and it's a reason to celebrate. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the expert. Okay, here so we dude, uh, you're, we just said uh, here in your intro that you're an extensive author, and your capacity to pastor and, and write books and teach college courses and all that. Uh, you're writing a ton of books, and you happen to write this book, The Adventure of Happiness. What led you uh, to tackle happiness in the first place? Like, why that concept? Yeah, I uh, I do some executive coaching for for the CEO of the largest mental health organization in Southern Michigan, okay. and he you know, in, in positive psychology is really concerned with happiness. And he'd grown up as a Catholic and had been attending our church for a long time, and and he wanted to know why doesn't the Bible say anything about happiness? Hmm. 
And, and at first I pushed back. I said, well, that is, happiness is all over the place. But, but the biblical term is joy. And, and I spun that old Christian yarn, you know, that, that happiness is momentary, it's fleeting, it's circumstantial. But joy, that, that's, that's the forever. real sort of, That's the yeah, deep yeah, stuff. That's the big thing, the real thing. And ha- happiness is, you know, uh, flighty and, and, and untrustworthy. But joy is what Christians have. Sure. Uh, and he brought that. Uh, but, but over the next, you know, four or five years, we began to really dive into positive psychology, um, philosophy, and, and theology about happiness. And I, and I learned that, that actually what I was telling them wasn't accurate. Huh. In fact, all in the biblical languages, uh, happiness and joy are always synonyms. So, so this whole thing that we kind of grew up on, um, that, you know, happiness is like fake joy, sure. <laughs> is <laughs> totally baloney. It's not, it's not accurate at all, which really shook me up and, and allowed me to, to go back to the Bible with fresh eyes and, and ask good questions and, and, and kind of dive, dive in that way. So after pr- probably seven or eight years that we've been talking weekly about happiness, uh, directly or indirectly, I realized this was material not only that I needed and was benefiting from, uh, but that I might, you know, compile and share with others. And, and it was really meaningful, really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of that old adage, right? Like, well, you know, sin might make you happy, but it'll never give you the joy that Jesus will give you. And you're like, so you're, what you're saying is like, no, it actually, he'll give you happiness as well. Yeah, I, I think that Christians for, for too long have poo-pooed happiness. Like as though being happy is somehow sinful or counterfeit, hmm. um, but 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 I think you know if you understand happiness as it really is, if you really do have that resident joy, sometimes it's going to break out in frivolity, in in novelty, in, in the giggles, in in friendship, in open-hearted laughter. I don't know what else you call that other than happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Dancing naked, maybe like David. Yeah, cool. Hey, but I don't have any dancing naked on my resume just yet, so it must be, you know, King David. But yeah, there was that I one time though. When not. We, there was that one time we went hunting, remember? But I won't talk about. Yeah, that. unless you can be happy in prison. But I think there's a whole category of things that are okay for people in the Bible that aren't okay for me. Like <laughs> Jesus can hang out with all the prostitutes that he wants. That's not a great move for me sure. as a married man. No, <laughs> good point. So you not only read, kind of dug into Scripture, then and did a little bit of clarifying, and and you know resorting about that but you did a lot of research and talked to a lot of people too that were i will just say secular right like they weren't necessarily coming at happiness in their understanding of it or lack of it uh based on biblical truth or understanding right tell tell us a little bit about that yeah yeah absolutely i i, I like oswald uh, uh os guinness's thing where all truth is god's truth regardless of where we find it amen um, and, and i found a lot of really biblically resonant truth outside of a scriptural context. And and that was really helpful to me, you know. What surprised you most about either your study of happiness or even how what you found out from, you know, extra biblical uh, authors or, or, or insight? Well, what, what surprised me the most was that every group of people that studied happiness, again, philosophers, positive psychologists, academic researchers, theologians, they all came to largely the same conclusions about how you get happier. And they all had a different diagnoses. You know, theologians and pastors were saying you're unhappy because you're sinful. Positive psychologists might say, you know, you're unhappy because you haven't trained your mind to think appropriately, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they all said, this is how you get happier. And so that's actually what I focused on. I thought, wait a minute, if they're all giving the same prescription, regardless of their diagnoses, th- th- then probably the things they're prescribing have good merit to them and and we should do those things. And and as a Christian, I'd often felt like if I could believe certain things or think certain things, then my thoughts and and my feelings, my beliefs would result in different behaviors. That's true to a point, but, but, but you can get there a lot faster if you behave in happy ways 
and then sort of reprogram your body, reprogram your mind to do happy things. Um, so, for example, exercise is, is, is a great, for instance, because nobody wants to exercise. I was fat and I was miserable. And I was eating garbagey food and I didn't want to go to the gym. Sure. And so I thought if I could convince myself that exercise would make me happier, I'd go. And I never did. And the truth was, once I just went, even though I didn't want to, and started doing things that we know statistically and empirically produce happiness, I got happier, even though I didn't yet believe that that's what would produce happiness. Wow. So how much of, how much of happiness is connected to this, you know, um, you get to choose your response to the stimuli in life, like what happens, what someone says, what, what goes down. How much of happiness is connected to choice or any? Oh, yeah. No, a significant amount. I mean, it's it really tricky to quantify that. Um, but there's a whole category of thought in, in context of studying happiness that describes the stories we tell ourselves, uh, narratives and counterfacts, the way we explain why things happened to us in particular ways, the justifications we provide, whether or not we choose to frame ourselves as a victim, regardless of the fact that we might actually have been a victim. But, but the fact sure. that we can tell ourselves a different story ch changes dramatically the way we feel about the things that are happening to us and empowers us to respond in new and exciting ways. How much of happiness do you think flows out of our understanding of the story we find ourselves in or believe and our identity and how much of it flows from that? Well, that's huge. That's absolutely huge. Um, I think even, you know, as a Christian, of course, I'm modeling myself after Jesus insofar as I'm able to. I want to invite the spirit of God to transform me from the inside out. But, but even Jesus as our prototype. Jesus is the perfect image of God. Jesus is the first fully realized human being. If, if we get Jesus wrong, if we if we make assumptions about Jesus that are unbiblical or, or truncated somehow, then then the, the prototype that we have for godly humanity is skewed, and, and, and that story that we're living out of is, is skewed also. So, for example, a huge question that most Christian people get stumbled over is, is was Jesus happy? And most Christians will tell you, well, no, not really. Um, you know, I mean, look, he, he died, you know, he was estranged from his, his mom, his brothers hated him. Uh, he, you know, he, he went to, you know, you never see pictures of Jesus joking around. He doesn't tell any puns. Um, and so so we, we have this goofy vision of Jesus as being quite austere, um, mm, yeah. serious and, and mostly angry. Like he's kind of stamping around from, you know, gospel to gospel, uh, lambasting Pharisees. Uh, but, but no, you, that's you, his dad. That's his dad. His dad yeah. is angry. <laughs> but, but, but if you flip the camera around and, and you ask yourself what Jesus did and, and do the things Jesus did produce happiness, you, you're going to find out that, yes, Jesus put into practice a lot of the things that happiness researchers tell us will provide a greater sense of enjoyment and, and meaning and satisfaction. For instance, like give us a couple of those. I want to get happy. Uh, like like <laughs> his eating habits. Uh, Jesus never ate alone. Jesus ate with anybody. Jesus enjoyed the company of people who offered it to him. Um, more significantly, Jesus had a sense of a larger sense of purpose and calling in all of his actions. So even knowing that he was going to go through some difficult things, the fact that he understood those difficult things served a larger purpose was significant. Wow. And, and I got a, good, yeah, and I got a, I got a, a big blog post. I, I, I think I outlined 15 different things that, that prove sort of that Jesus was happy uh, based on our examples. And Give the, us another one. This is fascinating to me. Give us another one. Okay, here's one. Uh, Jesus sought out the company of women. This continues to fascinate me, that Jesus, as a, as a, as a childless, wifeless Jewish male in Second Temple Palestine, would have been totally isolated. 
And, mm. and, and by all accounts, he, he was just lonesome. The fact that he had these women disciples, you know, uh, Mary Magdalene, Mary, Martha, Joanna, um, the fact that he engaged people like the Canaanite woman, the Syrophoenician woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, uh, the, the fact that he was always countermanding his natural isolation with, with friendships that were perceived as risky and yet gave immediate respect and personhood to the women that he befriended but elevating them above their cultural station was huge. That, that, that's wow. massively, massive oh, happiness inducing. Also, Jesus was creative. Um, th think about, he, you know, he's got what, 50 odd parables, right? Only a couple of sermons, but, but his parables demonstrate his commitment to work on his craft. I mean, go ahead and try and write a 75 word parable that changes the world. L let me know how that goes for you. You don't just do that <laughs> because you're like, a, no kidding. The original Ted talk. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, he, he would have had to have work on those things. Um, and, and so uh, often again, you know, Jesus is, is twisting conventions. He's defying conventions. Uh, the, the fact that the parables sometimes show up differently in the different gospel accounts demonstrate at the very least that Jesus was willing to contextualize his parables to his audience, again, showing at, at the very least that he could think on the fly, if not that he was more strategic than that. And again, we know creative people are happier, more fulfilled. They find greater meaning, enjoyment in their life. Uh, Jesus sang uh, on the cross. Jesus sang Psalm 22, all the different, you know, the, the, the whatever it is, the, the seven last words of Christ are all from Psalm 22. He was singing. So he was reframing his negative experiences into positive experiences, choosing not to see himself as a victim, but instead as someone experiencing victory over death promised by God, which is again, ma massive evidence wow. that Jesus was able to That's reframe cool. the story of his life. And, and again, you know, we, we go on. I think wow. happy. That's, my wow. That's my short version. Hey, so I got to ask this question because this is like my favorite one of my favorite things that Jesus has done, and I've, I've always tried to get my head around it, and I've got some thoughts on it, but I want to ask, like, the smartest guy on the show today. Um, so <laughs> Jesus' Jesus' first miracle surprises me, and still does to this day, um, that he shows up at a party, uh, a, par a wedding feast that's going on. And I know there's a lot of wedding uh, stuff connected there, but still, he shows up at a large cultural event. People are partying their guts out. And his first miracle is... To, like just supplying some killer wine, hundreds of gallons of killer wine because they're running out. Yeah. And uh, what? Uh, anything there, man? Like, cause I, I've always I love that event. And I, anything there with his understanding of the kingdom, his dad, why he's here, happiness. Yeah, absolutely. I think, of course, it's very fertile soil. I think what's even more important, though, because you mentioned all the good stuff right away, right? You know, that Jesus enjoys parties and celebrations, families and marriages. Jesus is a family guy. Jesus is a culture guy. Jesus is a social guy. Jesus is a tribe guy. God is a God of abundance. God is a God of richness. God is a God of blowing your mind and your imagination, of exceeding every possible thing you could want. All that stuff. Yeah, all there wow. for sure. How about, though, that Jesus' mom comes to him and tells him to do something about this problem, and he doesn't want to, that Jesus has a reluctance <laughs> to sort of dance to the tune of his mom who brought him, but out of affection and fidelity to his earthly mother, he, he's willing to go against his own preferences to serve that of someone he loves. And now you might say he's serving good, Mary, but he's also serving Yahweh. But but regardless, Jesus immediately is going like, don't, don't do this to me right Come now. On, and he goes ahead and does it anyway, because all of those other things are true. Because God is a God of abundance, because Jesus is on the side, even of his own family, not just that of, of the, you know, the, the, the wedding and all that good jazz. So, yeah, talk, lots of talk about, about, yeah, that. talk about choose your response, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, that's awesome. So why do you think Christians aren't typically happier people? 
I don't think we've got a street rep of being like, hey, you know, I don't believe what my neighbors believe, but those guys are <laughs> a blast. They're so full of joy. And well, it's so funny because like I, I instantly when I was thinking when you asked that question, I thought of um, the church lady on SNL, Dana Carvey. You know, there you just go. Kind of the, the prudish <laughs> old organist that doesn't ever smile and is just irritated with everybody. And so I think the reason that's funny sorry is Sorry to all the church organists and or <laughs> yeah. ch- mean church secretaries listening today. And it's so easy <laughs> to stereotype, but you go like, I think the reason that's funny is because I've been in three or four churches where there's, I mean, that's the case. Oh, yeah. Sure. He didn't make that up. So if we're disciples of <laughs> Jesus and we want to be like Jesus is or was, what gives? Where's that disconnect coming from? Why aren't Christians yeah, happier? I actually think it's a, an issue of our hemarchiology. It's an issue of, of sin in, in that we, we tend to start... Oh, wait, back gospel. up on that word. Wait, back up on that word. It's a problem with our theology of sin. So we start the gospel with the fact that we're sinful and separated from God. We start, in essence, the gospel in Genesis chapter 3 with the fall of humanity from grace, instead of starting our sense of the gospel in Genesis chapter 1 with the original blessing instead of the original curse or the original sin. And and that fundamental hiccup Mm. ripples throughout the way we behave, the way we believe, the way we interact. For example, when we typically talk about repentance and restoration, we define it in terms of the absence of sin rather than the abundant, saturating presence of Jesus Christ. So, so if you, as a mental experiment only, because of course this won't wash theologically or, or practically, but just as a mental experiment, if you'll imagine <laughs> what the world would be like if there were no sin, if sin was in- incapable, not, not even heaven. I'm talking about, you know, what would Michigan be like if nobody could sin? Uh, mm-hmm. Most Christians have, have a real problem because they don't, they don't know what, like, they don't know what more is in good ways. They don't know what more joy is. They don't know what more adventure is. They don't know what more passion is. They don't know what more creative pursuits are because so much of Western evangelicalism is less, less, less. You got to sin less. You got to do less of those bad things. And if you're going to do more, it's where you got to give more or repent more or pray more. Uh, but, but we don't get any of like the positive attributes. Like what is, what is kindness dialed up to 57 look like wow. on a scale wow. of five? That's good. You know, what, right. what is, again, what, what does curiosity look like? What does cooperative work with God look like um, if, if, if there's no limits to it? And, and I think that thing right there, the fact that we don't press into sort of the, the positive attributes, the virtues, the, the abundance, the riches of Christ, the fact that we don't press in aggressively there as much as we press into, uh, you know, hey, stop swearing, don't listen to that music, uh, pr- probably you shouldn't smoke, and God forbid you have well, sex. And that's um, a, you know. I think that's a, that's a gospel issue right at its core. Yeah, we're absolutely. Not, we're, not be, we're not believing the fundamental truth about who God is and what he's accomplished and who he's created us to be and how we get to live, right? I, it's just, I thought you might a, like that part about the gospel. Yeah. I mean, I was, Gosh, super, I was hoping, but... So, uh, David, it sounds, like, um, it sounds like you're actually saying there's a, a relationship between happiness and holiness that's a lot closer than we might ever have desired to put them before or ever even thought to put them before. Well, yes and no, because uh, because your definition of holiness can sink or swim here. Um, most mm. e- evangelical Christians define holiness as austerity. Um, we're, 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 we're living scoured lives where, where God has burned off any wayward ambition, passion, or, or misdirected affection. Um, mm. and, and, and that's really only the first part of holiness. Uh, yeah. Because because again, none of the fruits of the spirit are emptiness. 
<laughs> like that's not part of what God wants to. Yeah. Do. He He empties us so that He can fill us with Himself. Um, so so I like to think of of uh, holiness in categories of relationship. Um, if you think of relational holiness, which there's a great book by that title by a couple of Nazarene pastors came out probably ten or fifteen years ago. Uh, but if you think of, of of holiness as a vibrant. Uh, engaged, optimized relationship with God, with the people around you, with yourself, and, and with all of creation, th then you're way closer to certainly a biblical understanding of what holiness is and what pleases God. And I think then also that that optimization is is, is way closer to an understanding of happiness too. But but austerity, yeah, yeah you're screwed. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, it's not one of the fruits of the spirit either, right? Austerity. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, David, time is almost up already. I wish we could keep going. But what we do um, every week on Life School is we give away a big three. And what that is is like some three points that we could take away or even get started right now working with uh, to help us grow in this area of, of happiness. And we make it available for everyone for free by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 129. Again, that's uh, 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 129. David, what would you say the big three are for this week that you'd What's present us with? What's the big three you want our people to leave yeah. with? First, you got to cultivate positivity, gratitude, and optimism. you you got to be thankful for what you got and ambitious about what you got to look forward to. And I think you cultivate that by writing it down, you know, sending it in text messages to friends, jotting it down in journals. But yeah, gratitude, positivity, optimism. Number two, okay. um, you got to stop defending what you think you know. And begin instead iterating. So, so don't don't pretend that you get it all figured out. Make little changes over and over and over again. Hold everything loosely in terms of your your eating, your sleeping, your thinking, your 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 routine. Um, you know your your ideas. Whole, and just keep iterating. Don't defend it. Don't become rigid. And then last wow. number three. Wow, hang on a second. I want to. I gotta. I gotta jump in on that one. That's that is <laughs> that is bigger than it might sound to our listeners because yeah. uh, I think as humans and maybe depending on the way your upbringing is or your personality types are, we get into ruts like crazy. And we just keep doing the same stuff day in, day out, year after year, physically, uh, emotionally, spiritually, the rhythms of life, and wondering why things are exactly the same 10 years later. You know, yeah. and, the, and the same fights in your marriage and the same displeasure with your job or, or your belief of who you are and your own personal value. So that is key, what, what, what you just said there, brother. That's great, man. Go, Go ahead. ahead. Number three. I cut you off. Um, I had to. No, that's right. You're, you're good. Um, uh, number three, um, you, you want to pursue gratifications consistent with noble purpose, meaning find good things, good things that you know line up with Scripture, with, with the Spirit of God, and then, and then pursue achievements in those areas because when you achieve anything, you feel good about it. And you're going to feel really good about it if the things you're achieving are, coincide with with Jesus, Bible, Gospel, future kingdom. Hmm. Wow! And I and and obviously that's not to earn anything that's already true of us because of who God is and what Christ has done. Right. In in no way does that get you to heaven, but of course that definitely allows you to experience on earth as it is in heavenness. Yeah, dude, beautiful. that's good. It's so opposite from what most people probably have been taught. Mine was always like, you know. Anything that brings you joy, you need to cut that off because you're pursuing. Yeah, what am I holiness. supposed to do next in life? What's the big deal? Probably yeah. whatever sucks the most. No, nope. all right. Yeah, uh, yeah David, right. awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, let, let me leave you with this because here's here's I don't know that you can use it, but since you're recording it, you can trim this in or not out. But here's here's all my research in a hundred words. You ready? It's yeah. it's a hundred words of happiness. It's as short as I can get the whole book. Don't okay. wait for life to be perfect before you enjoy it. 
Cultivate positivity, gratitude, and optimism. Evaluate every tree by its fruit, not its soil. Identify and appreciate happy memories. Buy better groceries. Increase time outside, meditation, creativity, failure, forgiveness, dancing, exercise, travel, sex, sleep, laughter, smiling, and sports. Avoid unusable information, sitting, emotionalizing conflict, emphasizing circumstances, excessive screen use, being offended, thinking about yourself, perfectionism, dieting, dwelling on pain, pursue noble achievements, commit conscious acts of kindness, infuse your work with passion, don't kill time and live in it, reframe stress to focus on its positive effects and daily exercise a signature strength. Wow. Is it okay if we like send out like a copy of that with the big three? Could we uh, just yeah, tag absolutely. That on? I just I just um, put a meme oh on uh, Instagram of that today. You know, just like, stealing it. Yeah, just a little sticker. That was great because I'm like, oh man, that's like eight years worth of work in one. You know, that is amazing, brother. Thank you so much for that. Hey, David. And if people want to find out more about you, they can listen. Uh, your fun hang uh, following Westwinds Church uh, in Jackson, Michigan. Uh, they can Google that. Um, also your, your personal website that I steal a lot of content from and don't give you the credit you deserve is, uh, fosaurus.com, which yep. is F O S S O R E S.com. And if you want to have your brain rattled a little bit, that's where you can dig into some of we'll stuff. We'll put all this in the show notes. You'll yeah. never know how to spell that again. And yeah. all yeah. that stuff. You can get the big three. You can get that cool hundred word summary of everything david knows about happiness yeah. <laughs> and, and having it and uh and the way to, again to get the big three is by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 129 again that's 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 129 wow david thank you so much brother for being on hey my pleasure guys thank you i know our listeners are going to blow up the comments and over on facebook in the life school facebook group if folks yeah. haven't joined that they should just go to facebook and just search for search life, school, up life school and then you know request to join we hope to see you next week on the life school podcast as we talk about growing in the gospel and gaining gospel fluency in both your family and your community. We hope that you will join us for that. For more information, visit 123lifeschool.com forward slash podcast.